want to get away? That has been Southwest Airlines' tagline for their commercials promoting cheap airfare. I remember one where a father and daughter put together like a complicated mousetrap contraption only to launch a ball that lands in the neighbor's grill causing a small explosion. Want to get away? Southwest has $49 flights to select destinations. There are many times in our lives when we may truly want to get away, not just embarrassing ones, hard moments, painful moments, uncomfortable moments, where we look around and there, there just doesn't seem to be much that is salvageable, not much opportunity or promise or light. We just want to escape from it all. Want to get away? The early church certainly felt that too amidst the challenges of living under the mighty Roman Empire, facing persecution and social pressure from every direction for who they worshipped as Lord and how they lived in a distinct manner. Want to get away? This is also a very popular conception of heaven at the end of history. Heaven is that place where our souls leave behind this messed up world and broken down body and get to escape into some disembodied existence. Want to get away? That's what heaven's for. Leave behind all the mess for a heavenly reward. Except that's not the heavenly vision of heaven in Revelation at all. No, John's vision from Jesus is of heaven coming to earth. God coming to dwell with us. Not our escape from the world, but God's complete transformation of the world. Making everything brand new. It's an empowering reminder for the churches then and for us now that if the end of the story is not about escape but transformation, then following Jesus right now is an invitation not to get away from the mess, but an invitation to see the mess transformed and to join God in that work. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us and transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning as we continue in this Revelation sermon series comes from Revelation 21 verses 1 through 6. Listen for God's word. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, Look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his people's. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no more mourning, crying, or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I'm making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, All is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning in the end, to the thirsty I will freely give water from the life-giving spring. 
This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's interesting how things come full circle. But should we really be surprised that in the end, God gets what God wants? In the very beginning of Genesis, we're introduced to God as a creator who creates a heaven and earth that are perfectly united. Creator space and creature space joined. In the beginning, God dwells with God's whole and good creation, including the humanity God created in God's image. Of course, things get seriously messed up, but it's still clear what God is after, especially in Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And in the end, the vision John gives us is once again of a creator God who is recreating a new heavens and new earth that are perfectly united and who comes to live with us forever. So the first and the last thing we learn about God in the Bible is that God wants to dwell with us in a united heaven and earth. Everything about this vision connects to this. It's so full of creation themes from Genesis in order to show us that the earth and creation, including all of us, has been and always will be the focus of God's ultimate concern. God has no intention of abandoning or scrapping what God made and so loved that he gave his only son to redeem it. God wants to transform it all. The new heavens and the new earth that John sees don't suggest God scrapped and destroyed the first ones because they were unsalvageable or irredeemable. The word new in the Greek refers not to something existing which hadn't existed before, but instead to something fresh, new in quality, not found exactly like this before. This is a picture of a remade, renewed earth and heaven. And what is new is the quality of them being united together. What has passed away isn't everything, only the parts that sought to undo God's good creation. That's what John's readers would have heard with the reference to the sea being no more. We're not talking about literally no more ocean. Biblically, the the sea represented darkness, chaos, and the source of things that wanted to mess up God's ordered creation. That's why earlier in Revelation, all the bad things like the beast are described as coming up from the sea. What makes the new heavens and new earth New is that God's dwelling place is here, heaven and earth together. Look, God's dwelling is with humankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his peoples and he will be their God. And what is going to pass away? Death, tears, pain, all the sad things, all the brokenness. When God lives with us, Things are made new, and sad things come untrue. And that dwelling language is important because that has been God's desire from the start, to dwell with God's people. It's the whole idea behind the tabernacle in the Hebrew Scriptures. The tabernacle was the portable tent that God came and filled with God's presence as the Israelites journeyed in the wilderness. It was seen as God's dwelling place among the people. The same with the eventual temple. It was also thought to be God's dwelling place with God's 
people. Jesus, of course, is the ultimate fulfillment of God of this as, as God literally with us in human form. The word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. What God did in Jesus, God is doing on a cosmic scale here in this heavenly vision. God's coming to live with us. God will tabernacle with us and bring God's entire domain to. The direction is clear though. In the end of it all, God's coming here. We're not going there. The end is not about getting away escape, but God getting what God wants, transformation. And so far, all of this wonderful imagery, all of this glorious hope is future tense. And then we get to verse 5. When the one on the throne says, See, I am making all things new. This statement really ties it all together and brings it home for us. It's not, I will make all things new one day. It's, I am making all things new. In other words, I'm not waiting, God's saying. I'm beginning this work right now. In between now and then, I'm not going to let you go. What you see, John, a glorious heavenly vision of heaven, I've already started. I'm, I'm starting to bring the life of heaven to earth right now by restoring and transforming and seeking ways to dwell with my people. It's also not, as Eugene Boring wonderfully notes, it's not, I am making all new things. As if God is starting over from scratch, as if there are some things God can't work with, as if God is scrapping the first creation and discarding it. No, it's I am making all things new. God doesn't just simply replace all that has been polluted, damaged, or broken. Instead, God somehow gathers it all and makes it new again. God transforms it. God transforms what we thought was beyond hope or, or possibility, what we thought was lost or trash or rubbish or not fixable, and God does it again and again and again, and God will do it again and again and again until it culminates in a renewed world. I remember when I was little, having this unshakable hope in my dad's ability to make things new again. I mean, whenever I broke a toy, I would take it to my dad, all the broken pieces in my hands, and there was never a doubt in my mind that he would take all those broken pieces and somehow magically fix it and make it work again. And most of the time, he actually did through his own ingenuity and good old epoxy. But his first instinct wasn't to just toss it in the trash and say, we'll just replace it with something else. His first instinct was to restore and transform. He saw it as renewable. What would it mean for us to have that kind of hope and even more in God. God's first instinct isn't to trash, it's to transform. John's vision reveals a God who makes all things new, who doesn't just throw stuff away and say, I'll find a replacement. Whether that's a person, a place, a situation, if God's final plan is to dwell with us in a renewed, fresh, united heaven and earth, and, and God says, I'm making all things new, then God sees things in our lives and in our world as renewable and redeemable even when we don't. Where something is broken, God is making and will make it whole. 
including us. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Present tense. God making all things new applies to us. Now, God is doing it now. God has already started transforming our lives, our world, our neighborhood, our community, other people. And God will not stop making things new. God will not stop restoring and transforming the pain, the tears, the brokenness, the darkness, until the moment this transformation reaches its ultimate completion and glory. This happens all the time when we have eyes to see it. Just this week, I talked to a member of our church who was with her brother because he was diagnosed with terminal cancer six weeks ago and is now in hospice. For most of his life, he turned his shoulder to God and the church. However, just about the time he was diagnosed with cancer, he said yes to following Jesus as his Savior and Lord and accepted that gift of God's love and grace And even though he's gripped with cancer, God is not finished with him yet because he's been asking to pray for his siblings when they call and praying with words that make it seem like he's been praying his whole life. Behold, I'm making all things new, God says. I also heard about a 70-year-old lifelong agnostic who recently recently entered into the life of faith through the, the witness and ministries of a cowboy church. I also learned about a new creative worship initiative called Messy Church, where where worship looks like families learning a a Bible lesson, doing a craft together, and discussing it all over a meal. God is making things new. God is making the church new right now, everywhere, including here. I believe it. I sense it. I hope you do too. Maybe you see God making something new in your life or in your community. What God promises to do one day, God is already doing in small bits now. So what does this all mean for us now? It means there is not one single thing not subject to transformation. It gives us such a tremendous hope and purpose to engage in right now. Jesus tells John to write this stuff down because it's trustworthy and true. We can stake our lives on this. So what does that mean for how we live them? If God is one day going to reunite heaven and earth and dwell with us forever, if even now God is making all things new, then we get to participate in this making things new, transformative work of God as being made new people. We get to be signposts pointing to that ultimate day. We get to live now in anticipation of heaven coming to earth, not in in anticipation of escaping up into the clouds. We're not a call to to escape into this new world any more than we are called to escape from our responsibilities to participate with God, making all things new in the world right now. I mean, it's, it's absolutely compelling to think that what we do now for God matters greatly. As N.T. Wright says, in that day, we will discover that everything done in the present world in the power of Jesus' own resurrection will be celebrated and included, appropriately transformed. 
Do you get that? The Christ-powered work we do will last and will be incorporated into the new heaven and new earth. I mean, shouldn't we all want it to be said of our lives that we did things while we were alive that will be included and transformed when Jesus comes again? I don't know about you, but, but I can't help but, but ask myself some pretty important questions for how I'm living. First, if God is making all things new, then what new thing do I see God doing in my life? What, what new thing do I see God doing in my neighborhood, in my town, in my church? And if I'm struggling to notice, why is that? What do I need to do differently? Is there something I thought was unsalvageable that God wants to renew? And once I have an inkling, I, I should lean in all the way, join in, participate. Second, if, if God's intent has always been to dwell with God's people, where do I see God right now in my neighborhood, in, com in my community? Like, wh where is God hanging out? Where's God tabernacling? And how can I help experience? And how can I help people experience God dwelling in their lives right now? What new thing do I see God doing? Where do I see God tabernacling? I'm convinced that seeking out, living out the answer to those questions in light of this heavenly vision from Revelation will change our lives forever and give us the closest experience of heaven we're going to get until God's work is finished. You want to get away? Sorry. That's not the heavenly vision of heaven. And it's not the heavenly vision of life right now either. Christianity doesn't give us a getaway. When history's curtain rings down, we're not escaping into some vapory realm. The ultimate end destination is not us going there. It's God coming here. And it would just be easier to want to escape from it all, no matter what life throws at us. God is inviting us to be a part of transformation instead. And it starts now with a God who is making all things new. And it ends with a glorious beginning when God gets what God wants, living with us forever. Want to get away? No, Jesus. I want to be made new and be a part of making things new. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.